I want you to turn with me to Ephesians, and we're going to go here for a little bit, but I just want you to know that I, I'm open. If there is somebody there, and you've got something burning in your heart that you need to share, I, I'm, come sit down on the front row, and I'll call you when, when time is right for that. So, as far as um, method and process and scripting for a sermon, I'm, I'm not flowing with that today. I'm just going to follow the Lord and what God puts in my heart. So, y'all bear with me in that. I'm going to go to the NIV after a little bit, but I'm going to start out in the New Living Translation. And I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and, and verse 9. And we actually read this last week, but the Lord brought me back to it. And uh, verse 9 says this. God has now revealed to us. This, you may just need to listen to this because it's not going to look exactly the same in your, your translation. Because the New Living Translation is a paraphrased translation. It's, a little, it's more precise than the Old Living Translation. But <clears throat> God's plan is now revealed. God's Sorry, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. I want to pause right there and just talk about that for a minute. It's hard for us to fathom. Okay, you, you already know that I'm, I love hearing about space, the expanse that's out there. Oh, my goodness. I heard something the other day. It talked about the Milky Way and said there are billions and billions of stars in the Milky Way. Billions and billions of stars in the Milky Way. And they say that, that from what they can tell, and you know, they, they're limited in what they can see, but it, they, it appears that each one of those stars probably has a planet or at least some planets buzzing around them. But you know... The distance that it takes just for our solar system. And then you think about the Milky Way, and it is billions and billions of stars. And the expanse that that takes up across the horizon. I wouldn't start quoting numbers because I'd lose us all and just become a mumbo jumbo of numbers. But then they say that expanse of Milky Way is only a part. They say that they can see billions of galaxies. And here we are on this very convenient for us planet in the middle of our solar system that God just somehow perfectly equipped to be able to sustain life. You know, they, they talk about it and they have all these dreams about going to Mars, but they haven't found a habitable planet yet. And they've got these big dreams about going to Mars, and it would be a fascinating accomplishment, but they talk about going there and seeding the planet so that maybe one day it can sustain life. Wow, man's getting pretty, he's getting where he thinks a lot of himself. Um, I, uh, I don't know if I share with you or not, but... Uh, uh, through marriage, I'm connected with a man who worked down there at NASA, and he was in charge of the environmental systems for the space station. And so he had to make sure that the air quality would be right. His team was focusing on air quality and the absorption of all the moisture out of the air in the space station. And, 
and uh, making sure that they could reprocess all the fluids and what they do with the waste and making sure that it's a habitable environment with regards to just living. And uh, um, I was sitting at his table just here a few months back, and he said that they discovered that all of a sudden... So this guy, if you ever look at the Skylab, you know the Skylab that had those solar panels on top? Right near the join, there's a couple of panels that are missing, and it looks like it's a fault to the Skylab. And, and I was, he showed me pictures from his history with NASA. And he said, you see where those panels are missing right there? He said, that's because of me. He said, I asked them to please leave those panels out because we needed heat distribution from the, from the core there. And so I asked them to leave those two panels out. And just fascinated to talk to someone who's had that kind of involvement in the space station. Anyhow, in, in the process of our space exploration. Anyhow, but he talked about that in, in the, uh, the space station, that they discovered that they were having a problem with metal corroding. There was a certain type of metal in there that was, was corroding away. And folks, you just can't have that when you've got this giant body up there in space. It's all right, astronauts. I'm sure you'll be fine. The, the place you're living out in space just happens to be corroding. And uh, so they just, it, it, you know, they'd done everything that they can to create this perfect environment. And he said that it came down to, they discovered that one billionth, there was one particle that was one billionth of a, I don't even know what you call it, but the volume of, of air, yeah, like uh, whatever term you'd use, to, the capacity for air, okay? One billionth of a particle had a corrosive quality, and their filters weren't catching it. And they had to devise a remedy to take something out that was one billionth of a part. You know, man, God has equipped man with an amazing capability to be able to discover and to, to uh, create. And that's part of the nature of God inside of us, this ingenuity and this creativity. But um, we're not God. <laughs> but when I look at creation... When I look at the intricacy of the things that God has made, our human bodies, even down to the tears in our eyes, are intricately and dynamically made. The, the precision with which He created us and placed us here in the earth and all the organisms in this earth and how He created water to fall from the sky and fall on the land and it purifies itself as it goes downstream and how He gets the revolving process that He taught us all about in grade school about the cycle of water and things like that. But God put it all in place before we ever walked on the earth. He didn't need us to do that. He started that way in the chaos of creation where nothing was formed, when it was all void. And the Holy Spirit was there hovering over, hovering over that waste place in anticipation of the crafty work of God when God would knit it all together and form it and separate it and create things and put life in the earth. Why? Because God had a plan. God's plan preceded us. God's plan extended beyond us. It extends beyond us. But I've got another word for you. God's plan includes us. He didn't leave us out. You are here by design. You're here by design. Folks, everything that God put in place, everything that he put in place for us, 
It says in the scripture that he did according to his own pleasure. Isn't that a contrary opinion to what people in the world have about God? People in the world think that somehow God's up there, a scorekeeper looking for an opportunity to destroy you. I mean, they don't know about love. They don't know about love. They think that God's looking for an opportunity to take you out. That somehow he's vengeful and angry and, and the devil, I'm sure, is just as happy as anything for that to be the lasting testimony that they have. How will they ever know anything different? How will they ever know anything different? Unless somebody tells them. But it was God's good pleasure to put these things into place. And it says in this, this version, in verse 10, it said, and it talks about his plan and says, and this is the plan. Now, I didn't see that in the other translations. I think that when they were interpreting, they're trying to bring us back to the point so that we get lost in the details. But it says, this is the plan. They're trying to bring our focus back. If you, if you read through the other verses, it just continues on. But it's refocusing us. It says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and earth. So what is the master plan? Look, we all have things that are going on in our life. Our lives are abuzz with activity. Our lives are abuzz with busy things that we're doing. Our lives have needs. We've got uh, personal things that are going on sometimes with our health, sometimes with our finances, sometimes with our relationships or our jobs. We're trying to take care of kids. Our lives are just busy with all kinds of things. Folks, everything that's going on in our life is a part of a big plan. God wants to bring order to our lives so that we can be equipped and ready to be able to, to work in His plan to be able to bring it all about. But the goal is that at one time, it, 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 all things are going to be brought together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and earth. You know what's amazing about that? There's no problem out there at Mars with things being under God's plan. There's no problem out there at planet Bubula out there, you know, in, in another solar system. Everything there is still functioning under the authority of God. Everything that God's got spinning out there in, in, in creation is still functioning according to his plan. Earth got corrupted because of sin. This is where the problem is. But if ever we needed a cure... God sent the best one he could send. Hallelujah. We, we have the cure. Jesus came at the appointed time, at just the right time. You know, God orchestrated a plan to be able to create a people through whom he could bring a promise. He selected a, an insignificant group of people out of the earth. Because it's interesting. I've been reading a lot in Genesis and Job. Oh, my goodness, I went through Job. It was good, but my goodness, it's a long. It's yeah, a whole lot going on there. Anyhow, but back in Genesis and just seeing how even at that time there were people that walked with God, that knew God. It was amazing to see that. They talked about God. We, we think that we've got, uh, we've got a, a, a new revelation or a fresh revelation of God. But they had people that were insightful about God way back then because they had an intimacy somehow. I, they, we don't understand all that, but they knew God. Thank the Lord for that. But God worked through a people that he selected for himself, and he, he created an environment. He created um, a culture within them that made a place for the grace and the mercy of God to be displayed through the death of Jesus on the cross so that we could understand what it meant, so that we could understand the futility of trying to earn it any other kind of way. 
But God has revealed his son to us so that he could set things back in order. And that son that died on the cross on the third day showed that he was triumphant over death, hell, and the grave and, raised and was raised victorious and is seated at the throne of heaven awaiting the day of his return. Hallelujah. What's the earth going to be like? What's eternity going to be like when God sets everything in order? The reason why I'm talking about these folks, I just want you to remember this. God's got a plan. His plan is infallible. It will not fail. It will happen at just the right time. It will not miss a beat. It's moving forward. It will be accomplished. It cannot be thwarted. It will not stop. There's nothing that hell can throw in the way to make it happen. The question is, are we going to be a part of it? Can God entrust us with his gifts and his talents, his abilities, give us the ideas of things that he wants to do and know that he's not just going to have to put it in our hearts and we're going to be happy about having a plan, but we're going to work the plan? Can God entrust us with his purposes and know that we'll be faithful to, to follow it out? The only thing that God put in place is that he, I mean, he's got his plan will be accomplished. It is undoubtable. But he's given us the opportunity to be participants in it. Look, the scope of the influence of the plan of God on mankind has been left in the hands of his children in the earth. Isn't that amazing? He rested in our hands. He made steward, us stewards of this covenant. He made us stewards of the purposes of God in the earth. And by our effectiveness or by our distractedness, we determine the scope to which that plan will be effective in the hearts of men. The end date is there. It's set. The time is coming. There's a time coming. And I don't know when it is, and I'm not going to pr propose to try to say when it is, but I can tell you this. It's closer than it has been. It's nearer than it has been. If you look at the uh, situations and circumstances going all around us in the world, it looks like all those signs that the Scripture talks about are coming into being. We're ripe for it. The question is, can God trust us with His kingdom? Can He trust us with the plan? Are we willing to work the works to be able to see souls saved? I... I, I uh, <clears throat> I know this. There's a greater work here in this area. There's a greater work in Wilson County and the surrounding area. And God wants to work through us to accomplish that work. I, I believe that just a part of the perfecting of the body of Christ, I believe in, in God's perfecting of his body, there's going to need to be a knitting together with, with other bodies. There's going to need to be a, 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 a working alongside brothers and sisters that we finally see each other as brothers and sisters and not competitors. We're not, we're not working against another church. We're not working in competition with another church. We're working alongside them. Look, we've got certain strengths and abilities that God's given us that, that they need to be able to glean from. Amen? They've got strengths and abilities that we not be, might not be good at that we could use a little help with. 
And when we start, the body of Christ starts seeing that, y'all, y'all pray for me. I, I, this has been something I've been passionate about since I've been back in Wilson, and that is that, you know, it's, it's not easy. But I have been, I've made phone calls to different pastors. I've reached out to some churches, and I've, you know, I've taken some pastors out to lunch because I wanted to have lunch with them. I wanted to connect with other churches and reacclimate to the, the community in the area. And I've had good fellowship and we've even talked about getting together and pray and things like that. But it's been two and a half years, and uh, that part hasn't happened yet. But um, matter of fact, it wasn't but just a few days ago that Mike asked me. He said, so how's things going with getting together with the pastors? And, uh, well, I've taken a few out to lunch, but I haven't really been able to get together to, to pray or to talk too much. And I want you to know, just this week I received an email that was um, sent out by one of the pastors to several pastors in town. And uh, he said that after being in town for 28 years in a church, that, that uh, somebody came up to ask him and said, so you've been here 28 years. What has God done to change this city through your church? And he said, I didn't, even wanna, I didn't wanna answer the question. And uh, he said, would you, he's talking to these pastors, and he said, would you consider meeting with me? And he gave us a date and a place for us to sit together and talk and for us to take time to pray and ask God for him to change our city through us, for him to change our city. And uh, it's a diverse group of, of pastors that will be getting together and several have already responded not everybody's responded yet but several have responded and so be praying for us about that folks i feel like we are on the crest of a wave of a move of god there's something getting ready to happen in our area and i believe it's going to wrap around the world not necessarily from here but because god's timing has come upon us it's the timing of god and we've got the opportunity to move with him it is not designed for us to be spectators. If you don't know your place, find a place. If you don't understand what your purpose is, then, then get hungry and get before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What can I do? What, what small part, what big part, what can I sow my life into? If you were to end your days and have $100 million in the bank, what good would it do? But if you've changed a life, that money, that gold would just rust away. I don't know if that gold doesn't rust, but it would melt away and be worth nothing. I like that thing that, where that guy, rich man, delayed his going to heaven because he told the angel he had something he needed to get together before he went to heaven. And he finally packed a suitcase and, and he said, okay, I'm ready to go. And they got up to heaven and... The angel said, well, what, what was it that was so important that you had to take the time? You didn't just come on to heaven. You had to take some time to get ready and bring it along with you. And he opened up the suitcase, and there was a suitcase full of gold. And the angel said, you brought pavement? <laughs> what, what the wealth and the fame and things like that that people pursue here on the earth just will melt away. It's worth nothing in the kingdom of heaven. But folks, Jesus would have gone to the cross for one soul. The value of a human being and that image that he sees inside of them, even when they're 
lying in the gutter drunk or passed out due to, due to drug addiction or when they're acting out or when they've, even the murderer. God loves that soul. That CEO that's up in that penthouse office at the top of that tower, at the top of the world, commanding an army of workers out there and overseeing production that wraps around the world. But in their quiet place, there's a void. And they seek for things to try to bring comfort and peace, and they have none. Let me buy one more thing, one more house, one more car. Buy one more friend. It doesn't work. There's got to be peace on the inside. Folks, we're, we've been called to an awesome calling. Don't let it slip away. God's, God's promised us that he would give us the resources necessary to be able to reach these people. Can we just, I'm going to jump over to the, the, uh, the New International and just because this is an old friend. I had this Bible in college. But if you'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians, and in verse 18 he says this. You know, Paul was someone who was pregnant with the, the need of the kingdom of God and a passion for the expansion of that kingdom and taking it to a lost and dying world and reaching those that were unreached, even though it cost him physically and it cost him with regards to peers and it cost him with regards to his acceptance among the Jewish community there, even though he had spent a lifetime up to that point building a rapport among people and building a reputation, he let it all go so that he could follow the call of God on his life. He was passionate about it. And here in the book of Ephesians, he speaks of the, the great faith that, that the church had a little bit earlier, but then he comes back and he says, in verse, in verse, uh, verse 18, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What's he talking about? He's talking about coming to a level of understanding about who they are and what God's called them to, to do. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Glorious hope. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, I want to tell you that when it speaks about the inheritance there, it's difficult to translate when they get into the translation. You'll see, see some translations go one way and some translations go another way. Because some translations translate it as though we are his inheritance. And some translations translate it as that, that he is our inheritance. But the reality is it's a two-way street. Christ is excited about the inheritance that he has in us. We are his prized possession. He values us more than his own life. And at the same time, when we are in him, he becomes our inheritance. Praise your name, Jesus, for the life that you've given us, your God. We're so grateful, Lord. The glorious inheritance 
boy, that kind of blows our insecurities and sense of inadequacy and all that. Have you, you ever looked at yourself and say you're a glorious inheritance? Do you feel glorious? Hallelujah. His glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power. Here's another thing that's difficult to translate. For us or believe or the actual word can be translated for us or to us or toward us. And it even can be translated through us. His incomparable power through us. It's the power that is to us made available to us in our times of need to strengthen us when we need to be strengthened. It's a power that's, that is available through us whenever we come in contact with the need. Look, folks, if there's a need and God's anointing is on your life, if God's called you, God's got His Holy Spirit on you, don't look for somebody else. Don't, you don't, can I, can I say this? You don't have to have the feeling. To be able to pray for somebody. You are anointed. You are anointed by the Lord. You don't have to have the feeling. Now, I enjoy having a sense of direction. I love the Lord to instruct me how to, how to do or how to pray. But it doesn't have to be a heebie-jeebie moment to be able to pray for somebody. In the Greek, heebie-jeebie means heebie-jeebie. <laughs> you can minister because you're called to minister. When the occasion is brought before you, God brought it before you for a reason. So just do the work of the Lord. The results are in His hands. Let God work through you. Just be an activator. Release that anointing. Incomparable, great power for us who believe. That power, we know this, I quote this a lot, you've heard it quoted a lot. That power... Is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's that same power, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit working in us that's come to take up residence inside of us. It used to be the Holy of Holies, that secret place that that, that priest would only go in one time a year. And... In case there was sin, they feared to go into that place because they might just be struck dead because of the holiness of God if there was sin contaminating their lives. But now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of holiness, the Spirit who has come to make us holy, has come and created His own sanctuary inside of us, to dwell inside of us. And as He dwells inside of us and as He moves us and as He commands us and gives us inspiration and revelation and understanding of what we need to do and he places words in our mouth that when they come from heaven when they come from the throne of god they carry the very authority of the throne of god they just as as effective when we speak god's word as when god said it because we're not just making up things we're doing what god told us to do we're just releasing it into the earth but we have become the habitation of the Holy Spirit. And there's not a junior Holy Spirit, a minor Holy Spirit, and a major. There's one, one Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that worked through Christ here on the earth, that same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is the Holy Spirit that we received, the same Holy Spirit you, you felt this morning. It's the Spirit of God. He's in you. 
Don't close the tap. Don't put a lid on the bottle. Don't put a cork in it. Open it up. Just pour out what you've received. Just share what you've heard. Just let them know what you know. Just speak about what you've experienced. What gave you life will give them life. What gave you hope will give them hope. What gives you a future will give them a future. Just let it out. The Holy Spirit doesn't get diminished. There's one Holy Spirit. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, and let's pause right there. This plan of God. The earth's been messed up. We look out there in the world, we see heartache, heartbreak, destruction, tsunamis that destroy my goodness, I watched some of the videos of the Japanese tsunami a few years ago, and I know you know about the Indonesian tsunami they had just not too long ago. Just masses of people. All of a sudden, their whole livelihood, their life, their families are scattered. They don't know where their family members are. They don't have any possessions. Somehow they've got to eat and live and, and don't know where their people are. That's not God's plan. Our earth has been corrupted. There's violence. I've lived through two, not being in the military, but just living over in Africa, lived through two armed conflicts and saw the brokenness and the pain and the destruction and, and how vile man can become in the absence of God. Just, just the in atrocities that were done, just the delight in bringing pain and torture to, to innocent people. Man outside of God. I was reading in Genesis this week, and you go back through and you see the corrupt fall of mankind, and then you see what happened before God just said, Look, I, I repent that I even made man. I'm just going to have to, I've got to wipe it out, except there was one righteous one. We preached about that just a few weeks ago, but there was one righteous, and for that one, He created a plan, not just for Noah, but for all of us. We were included in that blessing. That promise was there for us. God preserved Noah so that we could be here today. See, in the midst of the corruption of the earth, there's an ever-increasing kingdom of God in the hearts and lives of men. God's expanding His kingdom. But folks, we can't become... I was going to say a word that's not even a word. I was going to say lethargetic. Let's make it a word. We can't allow lethargy to settle in our hearts. We can't just get comfortable... We can't just work up to comfortable. I've got some struggles, and I just want to get to where I'm comfortable again. I just want to get to where everything's okay. I just want to get to where there's nothing bothering me. That's not what you were designed for. You're designed to be a world shaker. You're designed to be somebody who brings transformation and life to people that you come in contact with, setting the captives free through the anointing that God's put in your life. We've been designed for more than this. We can't as a church be become lethargetic <laughs> and just be happy with coming and having another good service and just, man, that felt good. What's for lunch? And we go, to the, we go as, we walk out the door and get as far as the, the restaurant and the, the waitress can't even tell that anything different happened in the morning. 
Give life. We're getting ready to pray for our meal. Uh, you know, we're going to pray for our meal in just a minute. Is there anything you need prayer for? Since we're going to be praying anyhow, give life. Take the opportunity to share what God's given you. Oh my goodness, aren't we blessed? We've been called to more than this. I've been seeking the Lord this week and been a little bit frustrated to tell you the truth because rather than heavens opening up and everything pouring into me the way I'd like to to, uh, have it just happen and just work, you know, just ta-da, revelation, ta-da, direction. I put myself in a pretty extreme place and... uh, because of that, I was dealing with a lot of physical things, and, uh, and, but enjoying my time with the Lord, and I just didn't get all the clarity and all the answers that I was looking for. And this morning, I was walking around the church before you got here and just praying in here while they were practicing, and the Lord said, there are things that are too big for you to see, so I held them back for you, but in the right time. <laughs> Pastor Eric, many years ago, after I've been here three and a half years, because I, when I first was here, I remember promising you seven years. Well, I, pro- I think I promised you two years. And after about three and a half years, you sent me off to go spend some time with the Lord to ask for direction. And I went down to Bud and Patsy's shack down by the beach, and I spent some time fasting and praying down there. And I had glorious fellowship with the Lord. It was wonderful, wonderful time in the Word. And then I'd ask the question, so God... What do you want me to do with my life? Well, what's the plan? And it'd be just like an iron heaven or bronze heaven. Couldn't get through. We were just in such a good communion. What is that? And then on the last night, and that happened several times, that whole scenario. You're just fellowshipping with the Lord, having a good time. Maybe now's the time to pop the question. And I asked the question, Lord, and just be a brass heaven. Until the last night, I was out there on the dock. And I walked down there to the dock, and I was sitting out there on the dock, and the moon came up, and there were just a few clouds across the sky, and as the moon was rising, it was glistening across the rippling water, and it was just a beautiful God-gift kind of moment, and it was all quiet, little breeze blowing, and I haven't thought about this in years and years and years and years. The Lord just brought it back to me, and as I was sitting there, God said, one day at a time. Just walk with me. I will give you what you need for the day. Just walk with me one day at a time. You know, we love to have everything mapped out and planned out beautifully. There's some things where we need to have a plan. There's some things where it's good to have a plan like that. But there's some things that God just wants you to fellowship with him. Just be in the moment with him. Don't run ahead of him. There's things I, when I, I felt that when I was standing over there and the Lord said that it wasn't time for it, that God would reveal it in his time. When I, I felt that, I, I knew that. The urge, when we, is for us to just get excited and try to run ahead of him. And God's got a perfect time in his plan. And sometimes if, if you try to build the second floor before you finish the first floor or lay the foundation, you can't really do that. But there's a perfect timing in it. Folks, I just want to tell you, I'm confident of his timing. I'm confident of his purpose. I, I know it is not with my own, in, from my own perspective. You know, 
This is the third time that God's brought me back to Wilson. I'm not a native, you know? Why did bring this native to this area? But I don't doubt the calling and the purpose and the timing of God for being here. I can't explain it in my intellect and in my mind, but in my spirit I feel this surge of a move of God coming to the area. I don't even know how to give words to it, but I know that there's a purpose of God in that. And folks, I don't want to be a spectator on the beach watching the wave come or watching it move out there in the ocean and say, wasn't that a wonderful thing? I want to be right there. I'm not a surfer, but I want to be right on the crest of the wave. I want to be in the middle of it. I want God to be able to use me to the fullest. All the things that He placed inside of me that He that he engineered on the inside of me that he birthed for years and years and years and the little experiences and the samplings and the tasting and the hints of things and the, the exposure to things that have not been full-blown, but he's, he's ignited a hunger for it inside of me. I don't want to miss the opportunity in life to be able to live it out because God's orchestrated a plan and God's got a plan for every one of you. God's got a plan for every one of you. Some of us, we need to shake ourselves a little bit and get a little dust off and get a little ash off and let some fresh fire come to those coals. And some of us need to give God an opportunity to expand us beyond the limitations that we placed on ourselves and those limitations that other people put on us and those, those limitations that tell, tell us that you're disqualified because of the things that you did or you're disqualified because of the things that you could or would not do or did not do. If God birthed it in your heart, God's looked beyond your insignificance, your, 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 uh, your, your inability. God's looked beyond the places where you failed or fell. God said that he can do it through you. So all we've got to do is come into agreement with him and say, God, here I am. Use me. Change whatever needs to be a change. Rearrange my furniture if you need to. Mold me the way you need to mold me. But God, create in me a vessel for your use. Oh. I sat there and looked at those names of those pastors on that email the other day. Man, with regards to the names on that sheet, there were churches that were significant movers and shakers, influential in the city. It wasn't all inclusive and everything like that. It cannot be at this time because it's a birthing process. And I can tell you this. I looked at it and without doubting the purpose of God and the plan of God, I said, God, if I compared us to them, we're smaller these churches are known in the city for grand and amazing things, and, 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 uh, but yet you've included us in this process, God's intentionality. I can tell you, folks, that our tomorrow is different than our today. What God has purposed for us is more than what we know right now. So our present, just like in a personal life, if you are bound to your present or your past, you will never be able to walk into your future. If we allow our current situations or even our past to dictate what tomorrow's going to be, we'll never be able to accomplish what God's called us to be. I believe that God wants us to be a, a church 
that helps in turning the city in this area upside down for the kingdom of God. I believe that God is going to extend through this church to reach people around the world. And that means that I believe there's people here that will go to other nations. I believe that there are people here that will go into Wilson and bring nations here. And the, the expanse of his kingdom will have no end. Look, folks, we only have one lifetime to influence the kingdom of God in the hearts of men. We're, we're in the middle of what's called the church age. I don't do a strict dispensational timeline where it cuts off here and starts here. Man likes to define and, and, you know, make it fit in this box. I'm going to tell you this. The kingdom of God existed before the earth did. The kingdom of God will exist eternally. There is no end of it. But in this age, God has given the church an opportunity to work his works in the earth to be the manifest body of Christ in the earth. He's wanting to work through us to accomplish his purposes. Each one of us has the opportunity to make a decision. Will we be those people? I had an illustration come to mind, and I don't want to... I'm I'm going on, aren't I? This is really strange, but a few years back, I was in uh, Garner and went to this auto parts, I mean, uh, auto repair place, and... I saw a guy in there, and I, he had a, a picture of a Bradley fight, fighting vehicle up on the wall. I said, I, I think he had a model also, but he, I said, did you, are you familiar with, I mean, do you, do you, did you work one of those? He said, yeah, I did three tours in Iraq. And uh, I knew, some of you may remember John Cetera, who used to come here years ago. And I said, did you happen to know Cetera? He said, he was my sergeant. I thought, what a random meeting. He was my sergeant. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I, I saw John Cetera not too long after that. And I said, John, I met a guy, and I mentioned his name. He said, man, he said, that guy did three tours with me. He said, he was my gunner in a Bradley fighting vehicle. And the guy was muscular now. He said, and this, is tri- and this may be trivia to you, but you know I'm good on trivia. He said, when you're in a Bradley fighting vehicle and you're going along, and that gun up top is firing like that, he said, every once in a while, you have to stop and calibrate. And usually you have to stop, do the, do the calibration on the thing, and then come back, test it out, and then go. He said, but that guy was strong enough that we could be moving along in a firefight. And he said, he could one-handed manage the gun and calibrate at the same time, and we could just keep right on going. Just, a, just an amazing person. <laughs> Folks. What good would that Bradley fighting vehicle be with all its armor and everything like that, with the driver and the team there along with it, and it goes charging out into the battle and the gunner's not in place? All it is is a target. What, have you ever considered driving your car and just letting one wheel be off? Just to try it out. I mean, you know, get all the family to sit on one side. They've got these amazing big machines. Have you seen these big machines that they move earth with? Just huge dump trucks. Oh, my goodness. Tires are bigger than men. Huge, amazing things. You know what? If you go in there and you take one sprocket out of the inside of that engine, you know how good that machine is? No good at all. Nothing but something to look at. You can be amazed by its size. You can see 
that it has all this potential, but it's completely ineffective. It can't accomplish what it was designed for. I want to tell you, you have a vital place in the kingdom of God. Without you, we have no gunner. Without you, we're missing a wheel. Without you, the gear is missing. We can look good. We can do certain things. We may be able to function in some way. We can drive around, but we don't have a gunner. What's your place in the kingdom of God? What did God take the time in his planning and preparation, knitting things together and working all these, these galaxies and all the things around there? What did God put in place? But he took the time to design you. Was it a mistake? Was it just happenstance or something flighty on his... He specifically designed you for a purpose. Don't miss that part of life. Don't miss that opportunity. You have a place in the economy of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My heart says I look forward to the day. And I, I'll say it right now, Lord, even so come, Lord Jesus. But God, we want to be a bride who's made herself ready. And God, that we've prepared a host to greet you when you come. Hallelujah. Be glorified, Lord. <laughs>